Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, mindset coach, actor, and truth teller extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought to help you face your fears, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 129 of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, and today I'm doing something kind of different, and I am going live on TikTok as I record this. Um, I've been doing some lives on there, if you follow me, um, with uh, my husband, Kevin, and we talk a lot about all things polyamory, um, because that's been a big part of what I talk about on that platform. Um, But I thought it would be really fun to go live on both TikTok and while I record today's podcast, because I am doing today's podcast all around your Q&A, your questions around all things queerness and ethical non-monogamy, polyamory, whatever the fuck you wanted to know. And I asked um, a poll uh, and a question box on Instagram as well as did a TikTok asking your questions. But for anyone who is watching live um, on TikTok, they can also get their questions answered as we go. Um, And I'm stoked. So we'll see how many people show up live on a, you know, Wednesday afternoon when a lot of people are probably working. But hell, if you get on live and you can get your question and answer amazeballs. Before we officially um, get into it, um, if you are new to the podcast, um, we are on season four. We're wrapping up season four as we head into Pride Month next month um, of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, which is so fucking crazy to think that I... Uh, started this. I mean, I guess it's been over, what, since February 2018 is when I started the pod. Hi for all you guys hopping on TikTok. Um, and I haven't done a Q&A episode in a really long time. Um, and this last season of the podcast um, has been really, really focused on so much of my journey with polyamory and stepping into my queerness. Um, I mean, the first episode, episode 101 of this season, was me coming out as Polly publicly for the first time. And um, I had no idea that would uh, elicit or bring about um, the journey that it has, um, that I would be doing peer support sessions with so many of you from TikTok um, who have booked one-on-one support session, that I would be you know, doing uh, community chats and Q&As that are more private and supportive, like the Let's Talk Polyamory ones that I run every month. Um, And I know a lot of you have been asking if I'm going to be doing more of those. The answer is yes. Um, But today I thought it could be really fun to do sort of like a AMA vibe um, episode with your questions. Because a lot of the time you guys ask me these questions in my DMs or you know, uh, in my small AMAs that I run on Instagram. And it's really hard to give long and drawn out answers, Um, you know, beyond just like a little, a few words here and there, or, you know, you get the 60 second limit on Instagram or on TikTok. And I like to be, I'm a verbose person. I like to be able to really like get into the nitty gritty of things. So um, some, I have a bunch of questions that you have already asked me um, from the question box on Instagram. Um, But for all of those who are hopping on live on TikTok or um, 
anywhere else, feel free to um, you know ask a question in the comments, and I will also ask that now. That's what part of why we're going live. So I'm going to start with the first question I got, and one that I get asked a lot, which is, when did I know that I was bi? Um, and I, I came out officially as bi at the beginning, nope. Was it the beginning of season three of the pod? I don't remember exactly. Um, it was the fall of 2019 that I came out publicly as bisexual. Um, and it was really scary for me to do so because I'm a 30-year-old woman. Um, and I have been married to a man for 10 years. And on the outside, my life looks really... Um, it's really, looks really straightforward, and I use the word with intention, um, you know. And I, I know I've spoken to a lot of people, um, both on, in TikTok communities and on Instagram, who um, are bi or pan or identify as queer, but are in a um, heteronormative-looking relationship, and it can be really frustrating to be just assumed one thing um when at the reality like our sexuality is a really big part of who we are and um how we feel most in alignment and just because someone has a male identified partner or a female identified partner doesn't speak to their sexuality at the end of the day or it doesn't inherently speak to their sexuality um and for me that is a thousand percent true um but I was not aware of that for a really long time. I masqueraded unknowingly as a straight person for most of my life. And it's interesting. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's interesting because I, you know, have always been and identified as such an ally with the LGBTQ community. I mean, I I have a, such a massive background in theater. So many of my friends are gay, family members, you know. And so the potential of that being a part of my story didn't elicit um, shame from the outskirt. And yet what I do realize and have realized within my own journey is that I didn't really see a lot of um, people outside of the occasional spark on the media, uh, a lot of women dating other women. You know, so much of my Um, exposure in the LGBTQ space growing up and in my early 20s were all of my, you know, gay male friends. And it was really tough for me to see anything else. And also, uh, because I was so sexually attracted to men and had been in relationships with men, I was like, well, if I'm having these inklings, does that mean I'm gay? But it didn't feel right. And at the time growing up, you know, bisexuality and it still is in a lot of spaces it's really shifting um but at the time growing up you know bisexuality was often depicted and um expressed as you know the pathway to gay that you weren't that it wasn't really a valid way of identifying sexually speaking and that really really threw me off for a lot of my years um you know, I was ma- and am madly in love with my husband. I've known him for 10 years. We've been together for 10 years. And, you know, oh, so I'm attracted to this woman. Oh, like I have the inkling of wanting to maybe pursue something here. Does that inherently mean that I'm gay? And what does that mean for our relationship? And so it was really confusing for me. And 
my, you know, I, I met him when I was 19, just about to turn 20. So my whole twenties, I struggled, um, and really just identified as, um, as a, uh, a straight woman. Um, and yes, I am podcasting currently. So if any of you on TikTok have any questions about this, let me know and I'll answer it on the pod as well as here today. Um, but I think for me, what I really, in terms of knowing when I was by like that moment, I joke about this a lot on my Instagram, um, and also on my TikTok, but it's true that, you know, when I first saw Ruby Rose, on Orange is the New Black, something happened to me. And I went from being like, women are attractive and you can totally, you know, see that and understand that and feel that, to, oh, I want I want to bang her. Like, I, I want to experience the bedroom with this human. And Obviously, that wasn't like a flood of like, I am, what does this mean? And I can acknowledge my bisexuality all in one moment. But it did give me um, the, it gave me the foundation to explore that curiosity and myself in that way in a deeper meaning. And I had always talked pretty openly with Kev about, you know, how I believe sexuality was fluid and while I was like I'm straight like I still can you know see feel attraction in women and you know we just started talking about it really openly and the more I explored that curiosity the more that I really got to know myself and in my mid you know till later 20s I was doing a lot of self-development work a lot of really, really expansive shadow work and unpacking my trauma and working through a lot of stuff, um, it all kind of came to a head around a lot of different things. And my sexuality was one of those as well. So, but that moment is, you know, the first true identifying moment for me, you know, and a lot of people ask me like, oh, do you need to have had an experience with like if you're if you're if you were like me and you're a woman a female identified human and you are you know in a relationship with a, with a male identified person and you have never interacted with a woman sexually speaking romantically speaking does that necessarily mean that you are like can you say that you're bi if you've never had that experience and I will say that before I, you know, stepped into the ethical non-monogamy world and was actually, you know, starting to identify as polyamorous, I believed that that narrative, that I couldn't own my bisexuality. And even though I came out as polyamorous later than when I identified bi, I had already been poly for, you know, I want to say six months before I came out as bisexual uh, publicly or wait longer a year and a half, yeah, before I came out publicly. And, you know, all of our experiences are, are different, but I believe that your sexuality has nothing to do with the sexual acts, you know, at the, at the end of the day. And sure, those can help you solidify and help validate you. It certainly did for me. You know, the first time I was intimate with a woman really helped me feel validated in my knowing of my sexuality. And, 
it was so exciting and a liberating um, to experience firsthand, but you don't have to have that experience in order to know. So I really think that my knowing, like I said, it, it really started with the Ruby Rose thing, you know, um, and that's been really fun. So, um, okay, I'm going to answer a question that I got on TikTok. We'll, we'll, we'll switch it up. Um, do you feel that you're successful in the poly world? And they followed up with uh, the definition of success is that everything is working as you planned. Um, So if that is your definition of success, then I would say I am incredibly unsuccessful. (laughs) Um, You know, I... uh, I don't know that you can plan your experience in the ethical non-monogamy space or even frankly in any space in life. Like you can certainly try and have hopes and have a framework that you would like to navigate. But at the end of the day, when you're stepping into something that you don't know or have a deep awareness around your interaction, what that might look like, I think it's really hard to... Um, have it look exactly the way that you expected it to. Unless you're forcing yourself into spaces. And I personally don't believe in that. I believe in growth and evolution and in, you know, actively pursuing what feels good and and aligned and right um, instead of trying to force fit my way into something that I had an expectation around or I thought it might be. Um, That being said, you know, my biggest goal when I stepped into polyamory was that it would only empower and support my marriage and not, um, you know, uh, create a rift in that journey because I have seen that happen in a lot of spaces. And a lot of the time it's because the people who actually enter into ENM are entering into it for misaligned reasons or trying to fix something in their relationship and they think that opening up might might provide space for that um when in reality it's not about that at all I always say please go in with a really solid foundation before you you uh broach the idea or step into the space of E&M um and I'm really proud to say that you know my my marriage is is thriving and that we are better than ever and that while we certainly have had bumps along the way and it's been a roller coaster because it's it's a roller coaster, um, as we talk about pretty explicitly on uh, past episodes of the podcast, especially when we did the Let's Talk Polyamory series on the podcast, um, when Kev came on and talked as well. If you missed that, go back and listen. They're great episodes. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we are – I thought we were great communicators when we came in to this space three years ago, and I, I were, uh, like, night and day better. And um, – just so much more open to growth and expansion and the unconditional love that I feel for this man is just, it's boundless. And that was, you know, for me, that was my pillar of what it would be to be successful. And I'm really proud of that. So I hope that answers your question. Okay. Um, next question that I got on Instagram is what have been the hardships of coming out late in life? Um, yeah, it's so interesting. I've connected with so many of you that have also been late to coming out. Um, and I will say that this, I kind of feel this twofold. One, I, I feel like a constantly like a baby gay, you know, like, and yet I'm 30. So it, it's interesting to feel really new in a space and a community and, and in your own experience of yourself when you are in a more established person. Um, 
it's a really wild ride and has been a really wild ride for me. Um, you know, I, I still get so clammy. Like I'm a really confident person (laughs) and I get so clammy when I speak to women, when I go on dates with women, you know, like I get nervous and the dynamic of figuring that out for me has been really challenging because my whole life, you know, I've dated men and, um, it's just, it's been different. It's been a really different experience and rightfully or wrongfully, and I believe more so on the wrongful space, there's a lot of gender norms that exist in a male identified and female identified relationship. And I haven't always taken that on for size, but I think a lot of them inherently kind of exist, especially, um, especially in the bedroom, you know, and when it comes to dating women for me, those uh, expectations don't exist. There's a lot more like who's going to exist in what space and how are we going to have these conversations and know, you know, how we can support each other in that space. And that has been like a really um, big one that I didn't expect. I I should have seen that coming, but you know, I've not really been with a lot of women um, certainly none pre coming out three years ago um, and stepping into poly. So that's been, I don't, I don't know that I want to say a hardship, but definitely like an unexpected um, experience. And I'm, I've still yet to, honestly, and I haven't really ever talked about this um, live before, but I've, I've yet to really connect and click with a woman that like sexually we're super, super compatible. Like, I identify as a switch um, and can definitely play the role of Dom, but I think I lean more to, to the subspace and most of the the women that I've ended up with have been definitely on the subspace. So it, it would be really nice to be able to connect with um, a female identified human who um, can either is either a switch like me and like really can fully embody that space or, um, you know, leans more Dom. So... We'll see uh, if that ever comes up. Okay. I think I saw a question on TikTok. Um, yes. Is your husband poly as well? If not, what were some of the challenges you've experienced together? Yes, he is also poly. Um, we talked about our experience around all of this on some of the previous episodes, like I said before, on the Let's Talk Polyamory series on here. Um, we've talked a lot about our shared experiences and how we actually um, have a lot of different feelings around stuff around Polly, whether that's jealousy, uh, abandonment stuff. You know, we went into pretty pretty intense deets um, around all of that stuff. Okay. <clears throat> Next question from Instagram is, how did you acknowledge you were Polly and not just wanting an open relationship? This is a really good question. I actually just did a TikTok about the differences between poly, amory, and open relationships. And while everyone kind of has their own definitions for things, generally speaking, an open relationship is when a couple that is already formed um, decides to open up. You hear that concept a lot, open up. And usually that opening up is them opening up to the potential of other sexual or intimate connections. Um but there are different agreements in play than with polyamory. Um, often those agreements um, remove the ability to form strong emotional connections to fall in love with somebody else. You know, it really is more about 
the sexual exploration component of it. And yeah, that can look like friends with benefits. Um, but forming a long lasting, like true partnership isn't usually at all on the table in an open relationship dynamic. Um, and polyamory, on the other hand, is focused deeply around the potential for, you know, longevity and commitment and um, deep, loving relationships. And yes, you know, sexual intimacy, not always, but often. Um, but it's, you know, it's about the whole picture um, with multiple humans um, or the potential for that with multiple humans. Um, and, you know, at first, I definitely think that we were thinking that that's we were going to be more of a in the open space, you know. Um, I wasn't really expecting to step into poly at all. Um, for me, I just really wanted to have some sexual experiences with women and whether those were friends with benefits or, you know, like more of a, a, a long-term casual um, fling, you know, thing. But somebody that I really liked and got along with, that's what I thought it would step into. But very quickly, I realized that being demisexual and knowing my heart that I couldn't separate the potential for a true emotional connection and that doing so would be really limiting to me personally. Um, And my husband also felt that same way. So within like I think a, a week or two of officially like actively opening up and having, you know, we've shared about our first experiences on the podcast, um, you know, and since doing that had having that first experience, it was like, Oh yeah. Like there's, I, I am Polly. And I, for me, it was also, I always say this and people always ask me like, what did Polly feel like? And I talk about this a lot on dating apps with people when we're talking about like our versions of polyamory and how we practice. And for me, polyamory has felt like coming home to myself because while I wasn't practicing polyamory, I didn't have the verbiage. I didn't even know it was a legitimate way to, you know, enter into relationship um, with humans. Philosophically, the idea of loving, having the capacity to love multiple people and having deep, intimate relationships, and not just like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not meaning, like, I don't use the word intimate uh, just solely from a sexual standpoint, but like romantic and and really close and vulnerable relationships with multiple people has always been in alignment with me always I have had really deep intimate friendships my whole life and I've never understood the 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 concept of you know like your other half um you know it's not um at all uh something that I felt like I could complete somebody else or that they could complete me like I've always felt like a complete being in and of my own self um and that anything that I, any relationship that I brought into my life would just be, you know, blending to the overflow and the joy. Um, and why limit that, you know, if I need, if I don't need to? Um, to me, polyamory is about freedom of expression, freedom of potential. And it just made a lot more sense. So that's why um, I went that route and how I was able to quickly acknowledge that too. Okay. Um, another question on TikTok is, do you date both men and women? Yes. It's a very quick answer. I'll do another one on TikTok. Um, 
my partner currently blames my poly desires on being ADHD. It's really invalidating. Have you heard of this? That does sound really invalidating. And I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry that you're navigating that. Um, you know, I will say that I, I haven't heard a lot about this topic personally. I'm sure there are lots of poly people that are in the ADHD space. It's very, you know, common. Um, and I, uh, I just send you nothing but love around that because your um, way of being and way of wanting to love or feeling inclined to love, no matter where it stems from, is valid. And, um, you know, what, what your truth is around that space at the end of the day is what matters. And I hope that they can um, come to terms with that and learn to support you through that that space. And in the meantime, we're here to support you. Okay. I loved this question that I got on Instagram. Um, and it's, what has been your favorite part of being poly? Ooh, we've been going for a while. <clears throat> Let me take a quick sip of my afternoon coffee. Um, okay. Ah, I love this question. So for me, gosh, so many things. I think, like I said before, it has really been a, a missing piece of my liberation story. Oh, I get kind of choked up talking about that. Um, you know, being able to not just own my bisexuality, but step into that and explore it and really expand into the philosophies that have always been in alignment with me, but that I've never really fully practiced in sexuality, in the way that I do relationships. It's been really liberating. Um, and it's also introduced me to other like-minded folk um, who are just incredibly amazing, um, who aren't afraid to break the mold and, and the status quo, who are um, working towards liberation and who really value authenticity and honesty and openness. And you don't always see this in the polyamory space. There are a lot of people who unfortunately use that as a excuse for cheating or in a really shitty way but I will say that the majority of the people that I have met that you know are truly truly poly um are just really fucking epic humans and whether those people end up being people I date or just become friends with um it's really expanded my community in a beautiful way um and also like expanded what I get to do on a daily basis in a way that I never expected. I mean, I never anticipated my polyamory story or journey to blow up on TikTok the way it has. That I have almost 20,000 followers on there, 20,000 beautiful humans who I have had the pleasure of interacting with some of you face-to-face in one-on-one peer support sessions or in our, you know, most recent Let's Talk Polyamory Q&A, like community, private Zoom, which I'll be doing more of for all of you who are listening and watching. Um, and just getting to to hear your stories and meet you face-to-face, um, it's been such a gift, a gift I didn't expect. Um, and honestly, that 
has been such a beautiful joy because frankly, like I don't have a lot of people in my life other than partners or people I've dated that are poly. And it's just been so beautiful to form this community with like-minded souls. So for all of you watching live right now on TikTok, I just thank you for being here. Okay. Um, we got some more on TikTok. We're going to do two more questions and then I'm going to have to hop off because this is going to be a long ass episode otherwise. Okay. What was the initial reason you opened up? Um, initially it was rooted in my desire to explore my bisexuality. Um, I brought it up. Um, we had talked about it really since like we first met how monogamy was kind of a strange concept to both of us, but we were both really aware that we had a lot of wounds and stuff from our past that we wanted to work through before entertaining the idea of anything else. Um, and also, you know, societally, it wasn't really taught that that was an acceptable path. Um, it still isn't, but it's becoming a lot more mainstream, which I'm so grateful for. Um, and for me, it was really, you know, stepping into poly was really at the beginning so that I could explore that. And, um, that was my personal reason um, and why I brought it up to my husband is like, a, hey, like, we should really we should really do this, you know. Um, and we went from there and had a lot of conversations before, like for a couple of years before we officially took that step. So, okay. Tips for dealing with primary partners feeling left out. Ha <laughs> You know, I talk about this a lot on the jealousy episode of um, the Let's Talk Polyamory series on the podcast. So go back a little bit. And, and if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly encourage it. So I'm not going to talk about it too much. And I'm going to answer one more question after this. But I will just say that I was that person. Um, the feeling of left out sucks. It can feel really, really tough. And um, I will say that it's it's kind of twofold. One, the person who is feeling that way, um, you know, there's some unpacking work to do and self-care and soothing around why that's coming up and being able to support yourself through that process because you know it's part of part of the shift to a new dynamic and for the partner who is partnered with that person who's feeling left out you know the best thing you can do is to make sure that you're creating space for really beautiful quality time together and um, that you're validating them and whatever they need, you know, whether those are affirmations or little notes, um, you know, anything you can do to make sure that they continue to feel the love and support and the foundation of your own relationship. Because polyamory can be um, really jarring when you're so accustomed to operating in a monogamous framework and making sure that you tend to that relationship is huge. Okay, so... Doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. All right, there's two more questions on this, so I'm going to answer them both, and then we'll be done. So hopefully that way I'll have gone to everybody's who's already asked. Okay, is there a way to help a partner with jealousy issues towards one gender but not another? This is such a beautiful question. Um, you know, it's tough. I wish this wasn't a thing um, because people are just freaking people. But the reality is, is that, you know, this comes up. It's happened in my own relationship on both, on both ways. And, you know, I think what comes into play here is that because of whatever gender we identify with, there tends to be, or can be more of a comparison with a like gender. Right. And, um, it's why you see a lot of, um, poly pitfalls that I talked about the OPP, um, which I, you know, 
one, you know what, policy, I'm doing this for censorship reasons. <laughs> um, normally I would say that word on the pod, but we're going live on TikTok at the same time. Um, and it's, you know, because of that insecurity, that, that, um, that fear of, of replacement, you know, which again, we also do talk about a lot in those episodes on, in the series. Um, and I will just say that like, it's shitty, it sucks, it feels unfair. And it, if that's the reality of their feelings, um, the best thing you can do is just support them through those feelings of jealousy, right? Jealousy is not a bad thing. Jealousy is a really normal emotion. And, you know, all you can do is work through it together and individually. Okay. <clears throat> the last question was, given you're, you're not exclusive, how do you keep yourself safe when it comes to STDs? Um, so this is a great question. Um, and just a reminder that they are STIs now, I believe, for a few years now. I think they've been shifted in, the, in that space. Um, but um, I also don't believe in the phrase safe sex um, because it, it just says that, like, you're always going to be safe. And I believe in the, the, the term safer sex. Um, you can be really intentional. And I actually think that people, and I've seen that people in the poly community, not always, but for the most part, um, tend to operate in a lot more of a safer sex um, space um, because they have to be conscious of themselves and their other partners in a very different way than monogamous folks do. Um, So, you know, that looks different for everybody. I have very, very, very specific agreements in place around my protocol with interacting with any new sexual partner. Um, I you know, get tested very regularly and I will not, you know, interact with someone in a sexual nature unless they've been tested recently and, um, in a way that feels in alignment with myself. Um, so I can get into more detail around that, um, on, you know, a a more one-on-one space or in our next let's talk polyamory space. I can't really talk about it too much on TikTok because I will probably get censored for it. Um, but yes, it's very, 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 very simple to do. And actually, like I said, it tends to be a lot safer in the poly community because humans are amazeballs. Um, okay. Thank you so much for being here. Um, whether you are listening to the podcast or have been watching the TikTok live, um, if you want to get in touch with me and, and, and operate in a more um, specific way around all things polyamory and um, and bisexuality. I do have a Patreon um, if you just want to support. Um, we don't have a Discord community, but I've had a few people bring that up, so I will look into that. Um, but in the interim, you can always book a one-on-one peer support. I do 30-minute and 60-minute peer support sessions via Zoom. They are completely private and confidential. Um, and I also will be doing a another Let's Talk Polyamory community private Zoom Um coming up in June. So keep your eyes peeled or follow me on Instagram for that because that's where I announce all of those things. Um, And if you are really wanting to deep dive into your sexuality and all of the good stuff in that space, I am running my next Live Your Fuckiest Life virtual summit, which is going down in a private Facebook group live. um, And it's all around all things sex and sexuality. Um, So come on over. You can check it out um, at the link in my bio, in my TikTok, or in my Instagram, um, or the show notes of this podcast. Um, You just purchase your Eventbrite ticket. If you are a BIPOC or LGBTQ folk, please DM me on Instagram for a $10 off discount. The tickets are only $30 normally, so it's just $20 for a whole summit of goodness. um, And you 
get to experience some of my favorite facilitators and guest speakers around all sorts of topics in that space. It's going to be such a fun time. Um, whether you can attend live or just watch the replays, you can snag your ticket, like I said, again, um, in the link in my bios on any of my socials or um, in the show notes of this episode which is as always at amandacatherinelloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash one, two, nine. I can't believe that we are almost at the end of this magic that we're about to get to pride month. I'm so stoked. And um, yeah, this has been such a fun episode. Thank you for, for being here until next time. We'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye.